Here's the thing. Nine ball is rotation pool. The balls are pocketed in numbered order. The only ball that means anything, that wins it, is the nine. Now the player can shoot eight trick shots in a row, blow the nine, and lose. On the other hand, the player can get the nine in on the break, if the ball spread right, and win. Which is to say that luck plays a part in nine ball. But for some players, luck itself is an art. It's making me wonder if our fridge wants to be a part of the podcast. It might. Yeah, I'm... close the door. Okay, hold on. Ah. This is this is a all part of the process, folks. Our mics are so sensitive, they pick up our ice machine that is trying to speak to us. It sounds like paranormal activity. Or what was the movie? Where is it? Is it Dennis Quaid and like Frequency? He... No. Somebody hears like something on a recording. Frequency. No, because that's the one with Jim Caviezel and they're like firefighters. And he like, says, yeah. there's like a thing. It's something else. Son of a gun. It's not frequency. Dad, come it. But you'll figure it out or you won't. And we'll all be called, fine. I think it's just called white noise. Anyway, welcome white to noise. the podcast. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey, How welcome to How Have You Not Seen This? Mm-hmm. It's a podcast. By a husband and a wife and an ice maker. Yeah. The ice maker is kind of the star. Yeah. And um, this is where we show each other movies that the other one hasn't seen before. And we say, how have you not seen this? And usually the other person goes, get the hell off my back. Mm-hmm. I was and four. we have or... to start over because someone throws something. Yeah. It's drama. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary this drama. This is take 17 of this episode. <laughs> it's not great. It's... And the thing that we threw no. was the ice maker. It's four in the morning. The cops have been called. <laughs> We've lost three of our cats. Don't even joke about that. No, nah, no, I felt bad about it right away. I'm just yeah. now looking to make sure they're all there. Are they all there? They're probably all there. Yep. Okay. Hey, We're cats. Good. We're good. Okay. So, hello. Hey, everybody. I'm Tracy. I'm Daniel. Our producer is already napping. Sadie the dog. So, we're ready to go. So, let's do this. Yeah. This week, we're talking about 1986's the Color of Money, directed by Martin Scor- Scorchez? Scores? Scorchez. I, Scorchez. I had not heard of him. Scorchez. I had not. I don't think that's right either. I don't I don't know who he is. I feel like he just got some break from Netflix. Oh, that's like that guy, they, yes. Yeah, they just let him. They're like, yeah, it's the Netflix have this guy. this little movie. Mm-hmm. We'll let you put it on mm-hmm. Netflix. And mm-hmm. he, this is like his Johnny breakout. Irish. Johnny Irish, the director of... Martin Scorchez, the director of Johnny Irish, this now is, on Netflix. Yeah, this is his big break. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. Because he's he's proud. getting up there in years. Proud. I mean, I'm glad he finally got something done. Anyway. Proud of him and his eyebrows. Yeah. It's just, it's, they're very lustrous. He is, we really we really did this, I think. I think mm-hmm. you chose this kind of in honor of the fact that The Irishman yes. has been released. And, yes. And we are also a big Scorsese family. Yeah, as all families, I think, should be. All families should be. Like, raise your children right. Have them watch Scorsese movies. Yeah, Scorsese movies, which often star, like, um, The Irishman stars Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. who uh, was also in um, The Godfather. There it is. Part two. There it is. We're done. Just had to 
Mark your bingo cards. All roads lead back to the Godfather. God, or the Godfather Part thank Two. Thank God they do. Thank God they thank don't Godfather all lead back do. to Joe Dirt or something. Joe Dirt is not great. Have no. you seen Joe Dirt? I don't ever want to see Joe Dirt. It's real bad. I love David Spade, and I love that he's kind of had a comeback. Mm-hmm. But no Joe Dirt. It's very bad. Don't ever see it. I won't. Anyway. So yeah, this week we're talking about The Color of Money uh, from 1986, directed by Martin Scorsese, which I chose, as Tracy said, in honor of The Irishman's recent release on Netflix, because it's uh, a movie that I love and uh, have seen quite a few times, but Tracy had not seen it, so this was new to her. And I figured, hey, what better excuse in honor of the Irishman's release, we'll watch a, a Scorsese movie from a really interesting era that we'll get to talk about. Like, it came out in 86, so this is mid-80s Scorsese. So, I mean, all the stuff that we now commonly think of when we think of Scorsese, you think of Goodfellas, Casino, stuff like that. That was years in the future, you know? Or you might think of Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. That Those were years in the past. Oh, man. I got I got something to tell you about Taxi Driver, but keep going. Yeah, so this was like, uh, this came in a kind of middling period he wasn't doing too hot this was a work for hire like uh scorsese of course is one of the champions and titans of american movie making one of the best filmmakers of all time and very noted for the very um stylized and unique storytelling he did indeed and uh you know of course was one of the the film brats of the 70s that blew up like with his of course you know his contemporaries his colleagues were you know de palma lucas spielberg coppola Coppola. People like that. So, yeah. Coppola. We should have a whisper that just like, Coppola comes in every now and then just for the Godfather shout outs. So, uh, he, so he's doing this. So uh, this is a work for hire um, that, that he was contacted to do because he was not doing awesome at this point in the 80s. So we can talk about that. But anyway, first I just wanted to like sum up. We'll talk a bit about the color of money in terms of what it is. It's um, green. It is. There it is. That's, we, can, we can end now. We're done. The color of money is green. I don't know what the fuck they do for two hours in this movie. <laughs> it's fucking... I asked myself that while watching it. That is a burn that I did not set her up for, but it just <laughs> happened naturally. Um, so first, I'm going to talk real quickly about what The Color of Money is, and then Tracy will share her opinions on it, and we can talk about the movie itself. That's how the podcast works. Oh, that's what this is. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. I thought I thought we were Skyping someone right now. No, no we can. We can. We should. We should. Go below. One day, mm-hmm. one day we'll get him on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know why we haven't called him yet. Someone will have to kidnap him. He's probably free. Sadie, Sadie's available. Yeah, she'll do it. Anyway, so The Color of Money came out in October of 1986. It is a sequel to 1961's The Hustler, uh, also starring Paul Newman. It is a movie about uh, competitive pool players and pool sharks. Um Paul Newman originated the role of Fast Eddie Felsen in 1961's The Hustler, um, one of the many movies he was nominated for for awards. Tracy's already making kind of a stink face. Well. Because you didn't know this was a sequel? That's the thing. You're telling them this like you would know this going into the movie. But if you did not know this going into the movie, then how the fuck would you even know The Hustler existed? Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, this, and we can talk about this more, like, and not just like the breakdown of the movie, but like the production, like. I think, really, having seen both movies, I really think you can watch this as a standalone story. Um, there are some oblique references to Paul Newman's character's past. He says, you know, I had a, a bad t- time, you know, like I kind of had to walk away from some of the game and, you know, this is pulling me back in. But there are no specific 
places or characters or people or events referenced. Okay, so then don't talk about the hustler at all. Yeah. So there you no, go. I'm, I'm telling you, exactly, like I'm yeah. telling you mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. leave that out of all of your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because that the only reason I knew it existed was when I rented it while you while you were out of town so I could watch it. Mm-hmm. It had a whole thing like oh, the sequel to the hustler and I was like, I'm sorry, what? How mm-hmm. am I supposed to watch a movie that's a sequel to something? Yeah. And then and so when you're like, well, this movie is the sequel. No, because yeah. then exactly. people are going to feel like they have to watch. Exactly. That's the thing. You do not have to have seen The Hustler. Like, don't watch The Godfather 2 without seeing Godfather first. Exactly. Yeah. Those And that because it was more of the novel that they made like two years later. Exactly. And this was a separate novel. Um, the Hustler was based on a book and this was based on a book by the same guy. Um, I will just say that like uh, Paul Newman read the, saw the novel when it came out and the the novelist wrote a treatment for the screenplay. Um, and it was basically just like the sequel novel and he didn't quite like it. So Paul Newman reached out to Martin Scorsese in 84 because he had liked raging bull and said, Hey, I've got this idea Who for doesn't you. Like raging bull. Exactly. So anyway, so, uh, the color of money is about fast Eddie Felsen played by Paul Newman. Who's, uh, a former pool player and now just kind of a, a kind of a vaguely caddish, whiskey salesman um he his girlfriend runs a bar and he also is uh, what's called a steak horse like he will provide money for gamblers pool players um and then take a cut of their winnings yep at the beginning of the movie he's staking a very young john turturro who is a massive dick in this movie massive dick in this movie yeah so that's one of the ways paul newman he's kind of like you know it's like he's he's kind of like one of those like shady businessman like he's talking to his girlfriend the bar owner and he's like i can get you this discount whiskey and you can just put different labels on it and make good profit like he's that kind of guy but he's also like just incredibly charming because it's paul newman he's also paul, it's paul motherfucking newman. newman so anyway he is an aging um guy an aging sex god aging sex god with a pass as a pool player but he doesn't do that now and he crosses paths with a young incredibly talented but naive pool player named vincent played by tom cruise uh, and Vincent's girlfriend, Carmen, is played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Yes. And uh, fast... Diamond Sharp. So good, like, yeah. Like, she's just... Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. So Eddie, Paul Newman, realizes, hey, this kid Vincent is so good. If I can help shape him as a player, I can stake him and make a lot of money. Yep. And teach him how to, like, win, teach him how to play, teach him, teach how, him to, how to hustle. Teach him how to hustle, yeah. Like, sometimes you take the dive, you dump the game, so, and then, like, it changes the odds, and you can make more money on the back end. Um, so I can teach him those things and make money with him because he's he's very, very talented. And so the movie is about um, Eddie training Vince and that developing relationship and, like, the, the back and forth between them. And also Eddie's kind of, you know, redemption story kind of getting back into the game of pool realizing because he used to play he doesn't play anymore kind of building his skills back up and then realizing what he wants to do with himself um it is a uh it's an it was an award-winning role for paul newman paul newman won best actor for this um actually what's funny this was he'd been nominated um he'd been nominated nine times i want to say uh no keep going I, okay uh he'd Can been nom- not here now I couldn't, but now I can again. Okay, sorry. That's okay. I'm trying to hear, I hear a like a bumping sound, and usually that means you're doing something, and so I was just listening. It's probably the papers bumping against something. Okay. 
Well-deserved Oscar, I yes. will say. Uh, and what's funny is uh, he'd been nominated like eight or nine times already. And uh, throughout the decades, like his first nomination was in for 1958, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Oh my God, he um, should have won for that. I know. Oh. He's actually one of only four actors to have been nominated for an Oscar in five different decades. <sighs> the others were Lawrence Olivier and Michael Caine and Jack Nicholson. Anyway. See, I feel like they do it just to fuck with them. Right. But the thing is, what's funny is... I hate the Academy. The year before this... Because uh, he won, this came out in 86, so he won the Best Actor Oscar for 1986, finally. The year before that, he'd won an honorary Oscar, just for, like, career achievement. Just for, sorry, we've been fucking just you over. Just for, like, hey, you're Paul Newman, we're gonna give you an Oscar. And I love that the next year, he's like, well, eat shit, I'm gonna come out and do an amazing movie, and you're gonna have to give me the real thing. I would have walked out, taken the Oscar, looked at everyone, and just dropped it in the orchestra pit, and then walked off stage. Yes, exactly. So... Uh, Paul Newman won the Oscar, and he gives a great performance in this as this, you know, kind of sharp-edged guy who's pulled back into the thing that used to give him passion and drive, and he sees so much of his former self in this young kid who just can't control himself, and it's their, like, their battling dynamic and, like, them learning from each other, and it's just a really great, great, great story, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a big picture look at it. This ain't pool, this is for bangers. Straight pool is pool. This is like handball or cribbage or something. Straight pool, you gotta be a, a real surgeon to get over. It's all finesse. Now everything is nine ball because it's fast. Good for TV, good for loud break shot. Oh well, what the hell? Check ourselves more than chess. Mm. And it, it starts with them playing pool on the road and learning how to, he teaches Vincent some hustles and how to get better at your game. And then it tracks them all the way through this uh, pool nine ball championship in Atlantic City. Mm. And that's kind of the end of the movie. So it's uh, that's that's kind of a broad strokes plot. And we can get into more details as we talk. But yeah. you're making your squinty face like when you think. Well, because you're leaving out the whole the whole point is that he realizes that he wants to get back into the game, but the only way that he can do that is with Vincent. And mm-hmm. so, um, like, at the end, Vincent's like, you used us. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, because mm-hmm. he's back in. Yeah. And, he, I mean, he played played Vincent. I mean, I, I don't know for, I don't know pool for shit. And that was honestly one of my issues with the, with the movie was uh-huh. that I don't care about pool. I don't particularly like it. Like, it... I just... And they're going on about this and that, and and I'm just hustling and blah blah and double down, dump the game, blah blah, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't care. It's like sports. I don't care. Right. And um, the reason I'd never seen this is because it's just not my kind of movie. Like when I was sure. back then, I did not appreciate. Um, no, I did appreciate Scorsese. Well, not when I was nine, but I mean, when I, <laughs> man, was I into Taxi Driver. Yeah, um, nothing better for a fourth grader than... I, I, I obviously wouldn't have seen it back then. No. Um, and then later on, I just wasn't interested. I really wasn't. I remember the commercials on the television all the time. Really? Like ads for this? Yes. Oh, wow. Um, the, the trailers and stuff. But oh. I just, eh, I just didn't want to see it. And I didn't want to see it for this, but mm-hmm. I watched it because mm-hmm. you chose it. Yep. And, um, and I, it's one of those things where, um, I can't, like, I still think about that very first movie that we did. Um, where you were like, this was a bad movie and I didn't like it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's 
your opinion. Sure. I don't think this was a bad movie. I think this is probably a very good movie. I didn't particularly like it. Right. Because it just was not my thing. It's not for you. Which is fine. Exactly. Um, I, I can um, appreciate... It's kind of like seeing a, a, a painting by an artist that you don't necessarily like mm-hmm. love, but you're like, I totally get it. Um, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not his best work. Um, right. I Because I don't feel like it was his vision, particularly. It's not. That's the thing. And um, I think that... Uh, I don't know. I... Paul Newman, like mm-hmm. anything, I, I do. I mean, I just love Paul Newman, and he was so charming and so, just such a. It's like Burt Reynolds. I'm like, well, I'll just watch you, yeah, walk around. Just, I don't care. Like you're amazing. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio was like hard as nails. Like, like there's nothing soft about her. There were she was in it for business. She understood that. Sorry, the cats are. Yeah. Sharpening their claws. Sharpening their claws for later, I guess. For Um, battle. For battle. Exactly. Um, She was... Everybody's performance was really, really good. Really good. Um, I guess I just... I just don't care about Poole. I just don't. And I I think that... I was kind of bummed by the fact that I... um, That it had to be about pool i don't know what else it would have been about or whatever but um there was so much that i didn't really get that i was just like oh fuck it i mean i just i had to kind of just instead focus on the performances themselves um i thought that tom cruise was manic and baby-faced and if this was before they say that this was after top gun and I feel like it was, was it shot before or after? Yeah, it would have been shot before. Uh, this came out in... It was like a baby. Here's the thing. This came out in October of 86. Okay. Uh, Top Gun just came out earlier that year in May of 86. But this was, they started like, like I said, Newman reached out to Scorsese in 84. So they just, I think it shot this in like 85. It would have been shot around the same time. Yeah, because he so, looks even younger than he looks in Top Gun. He does. I, I think this was shot before because in Top Gun, he's definitely leaner and, and yes. bulked out more. Yes. Um, he. I can feel the need. Yeah. So he was not like this. This It's funny. Like that's, that's one of the weird things. Like if you were just alive in 1986... This is Tom Cruise's quote unquote next movie after Top Gun. Right, right. But Which we all know how that it was works. Shot, you know, before and it's not like he was cast off of Top Gun. You right. Know? Like, um, when he was cast in this, his major roles had included like his early stuff. He had a bumper crop in nineteen eighty three of The Outsiders, Risky Business, and All the Right Moves. And then he was in Legend, which came out in eighty five and flopped. So yeah, yeah. that's that's where he was in in terms of his career trajectory. Like, right. you know, Top Gun comes out in May of 86 and like fucking ignites him. And then he's off to the races with mm. Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, Days of Thunder, you know, Far and Away, If You Can Man, just like off into the 80s and 90s and becoming Tom Cruise. Yes. But. No, he was he was absolutely fantastic. The scene um, where um, Paul Newman finds him showboating to uh, werewolves in London mm-hmm. is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you pointed out to me last night, you don't even see him really playing pool. Mm-hmm. You just see him showboating. And 
it's incredible. His, he plays, um, I mean, we, we have a, we just have this thing in, in the Carlson household where we recognize the insanity that is Tom Cruise, but yet we cannot find it in our hearts to, to, uh, turn away from him because he is again, so goddamn charming. And David Miscavige's good... wife is missing and I love the Mission Impossible movies. I, I don't, know, I what don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, but, uh, he, it starts here. I mean, it starts earlier, but this kind of, he, they're like, Hey, we need you to be young and cocky and, but like super naive, very, I mean, it's like he's a teenager. Yes. Very immature, very jealous. The, um, completely incapable of controlling his impulses. Um, you know, if he wants to, it's, you know, fight fuck feed whatever like it's he's that's right. just who he is and uh mary elizabeth master antonio is the um calming the, the kind of calming influence kind of, yeah she kind of cools him down to a point mm-hmm. to a point yes um but when you've got that much piss and vinegar in you it's hard mm-hmm. to um hard to calm it down so yeah, I mean, there were parts that I that I look back on and I'm like, yeah, that was cool. And then there are parts that I look back on and I'm like, I don't, I don't know why I'm watching this. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, it's funny you mentioned, by the way, him being like a teenager. He was barely out of his teens because he was born in 62. So he would have been like 23 when they shot this. And he yeah. still has that like incredibly boyish thing. Like, like he looks young in Top Gun, but it, like I said yesterday, in this, it looks like he's still got like baby fat on his face. He does, yeah, Like exactly. he's so young and his hair is very poofy. It's very poofy. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. You mentioned earlier you're not liking pool, and that's the thing. Like, uh, Scorsese doesn't care either. Um, hey, for the first time, I want to point out, I don't have notes, and he printed out notes. So we have switched roles right. this also, week. Also, yeah. It's weird. I, by the way, I one time printed something else out. So some, I don't remember that. It was, it's totally true. Um, but, no, um, Scorsese said, this is, by the way, um, one uh, an archival piece from the New York Times uh, that I found from October of '86. This came out a couple of days after the movie was released. Uh, a piece by Myra Forsberg, um, and in that, Scorsese said, "Quote: You see, I don't know anything about pool. I don't like what's on the table, but what's around the table, the intrigue, the manipulations." And I think mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons he focuses on the character so much. You mentioned that showboating scene uh, set to Werewolves of of London, where Paul Newman had said. Uh, Tom Cruise up. He was like, "Hey, go into this bar where there's pool hall and play some games, but lose to this guy because there's a there's a there's a good guy in there and a great guy in there. And if you lose to the good guy, but are kind of appealing, the great guy will want to play you." No, and, no. If you lose to the good player, it, yeah. it was a good player and a rich player. Yeah, I, 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 meant, I meant like good player. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just so, meant like, you know, he wanted him to lose to the yes. good player so that the rich player would want to play him because yes. the rich player would lose. The rich player, yeah. He could take the rich player down who was talented, but also Tom Cruise could clearly beat him. And he's like, hey, you know, take a dive and then bring in the big mark. And Tom Cruise did not have the self-control to do that. So Vince is just showboating around to Werewolves of London on the, the jukebox and it's great. Like, it's it's a short scene. Uh, there's only a couple of cuts in it. There's, like, one 30-second take and one that's almost close to a minute. Of, and it's just the camera circling Tom Cruise as he's shooting. But you only see 
him like hit the cue ball twice and you only see one ball actually go in the rest it's just it's it's happening slightly out of frame and you're just watching his attitude yeah he'll like take a shot and then spin the cue or like dance and jump around and he's like singing to the song Mm -hmm. and like he is just dripping ego and cockiness and like 23 year old swagger Mm -hmm. it's just it's just coming off in waves and paul newman's standing there watching him just like fuck this up because then the big mark leaves like that boy's hot and like leaves and Tom Cruise is like, I took that guy for 150 bucks. And Paul Newman's like, you lost 5000 mm-hmm. you idiot, because you couldn't mm-hmm. control yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's just that that tension of their relationship. Um, Man, boys in their 20s. Yeah, we're something. Ladies. But all that to say, like, I'm really bummed. I'm bummed that, that, you, that you didn't like the pool aspect of it, because Scorsese didn't either, clearly care that he didn't care about like pool he didn't want like film games happening you never actually see a full game happen and it but no, it, but you see a lot of pool you do see a lot of pool this is true um this is true he and he dumps a little uh his little intro you know scorsese's yep. uncredited voiceover over the although it's so obvious that it's yeah him. And like oh yeah and he actually is in the movie at one point in one of the montages he's he's one of the pool players that breaks oh. um but uh yeah, like he just over the his mom in it because if his mom's not right. in it, I don't care. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, at the beginning, he just explains really quickly the rules of how nine ball pool works, and then we're off to the races into the to the movie, so we don't have to like actually have any exposition about like how the game is played. Um, so uh, just yeah, keep that in mind. If you, I'm sorry, it's I'm sad. I was sad. I'm sad that you didn't like, or I'm sad that you thought there was too much pool in it. That like, does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, it. Uh, um, it's really interesting because I, while I liked the performances, I did not care about what it was they were talking about, sure. which I think says a lot about somebody being able to act about something that someone doesn't give a shit about. And they're like, oh, you're a really good actor. But they would talk and I'd be like, I just hear like, wah, 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 wah. And right. I'm like, I don't care about this at all. I don't care about putting up the mind, and then he'll lose and then you'll do this and then blah 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 and I was like yeah um I liked certain things I liked when they tried to teach Vince about two dudes and a sailor or whatever it was called two strangers and a something in the the hustle they run two on the, rabbis yeah. and a priest yeah. I don't remember right. and right. they had um Paul Newman was acting like uh what's her name carmen carmen thank you carmen was his girlfriend and he was you know like feeling her up and stuff and you know talking smack to tom cruise while he was playing like acting like he didn't know and like you know didn't know him and vincent just could not handle it just could not handle it it was it was beyond but the performance was excellent yeah also not for nothing but if i'd been carmen i would have been like why am i with that guy let's go paul newman because mm-hmm. exactly. what's up it's it's paul newman yep because what's up exactly and i didn't hmm. i don't know the end i liked sort of i don't know sure. I don't know. I mean, I, my problem is I'm spoiled by other Scorsese movies that I'm mm-hmm. like, well, it wasn't this. Yes, exactly. And that's that's worth pointing out. This tends to get grouped into the quote-unquote lesser Scorsese's uh, because it, this, again, was a, was a work for hire, which was unusual for Scorsese. But again, um, 
you know, uh, at this point in his career, you know, he done Mean Streets in the early 70s. Taxi Driver was 76. And then coming off of that, he did the musical New York, New York in 77, which like ate it. New York, New York. Uh, Raging Bull, of course, critically acclaimed, was like an okay success. And then he did the King of Comedy. But like now, it's yeah, exactly. It was Raging Bull. Yeah, but like financially at the time, like its budget was eighteen, its box office was twenty three million. So like it Mm. just made a little money back and like was critically acclaimed. It's it's grown more in retrospect. Right. Um, And then of course in nineteen eighty three he does the King of Comedy, which now is is you know very critically acclaimed. But it's a dark, very challenging movie. It's great, but it's it's really alienating and tough. And I mean, like, its budget was $19 million. It made two and a half at the box office. Like, it tanked. So, like, he was not doing awesome. So when Paul Newman's like, I liked Raging Bull. Do you want to make a sequel to The Hustler? He's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll do that. Like, he, sure. He took, he, he applied, I think, as much artistry and voice as he could to this. And I definitely think he brings himself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very well made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's working, of course, with... A lot of longtime collaborators, his editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, who cuts all his movies, worked on this. Like, if you've ever, you know, the uh, that that entire sequence toward the end of Goodfellas, where it's like Ray Liotta's last day of freedom, you know, yes. and it's just like yes. crazy, crazy fast. She was the one pushing for the faster cuts. And he's like, I can't handle this. And she's like, we're going faster. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's the one that like makes these movies sing in a certain way. Okay. She's she's an amazing editor. She's What's worked up, with him. Thelma? She's worked with him for decades. So, uh and he, he, of course, also, the music was done by Robbie Robertson. Of, oh, I will say the soundtrack was spectacular. Yeah, Robbie Robertson of the band, who uh, Scorsese had been in love with, like, boy crush on, since filming The Last Waltz, the concert documentary for the band a few years earlier, which is a great, great documentary mm-hmm. and concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's worked with Robbie Robertson on several movies throughout the years. Robertson has, like, contributed songs, produced soundtracks on things like Casino. He did the music for The Irishman, things mm-hmm. like that. Oh, so, good. So yeah, he's working with a lot of his people and bringing his style to it, but it's definitely a work for hire because the 80s were kind of Scorsese's wandering in the desert years because uh, he would still have, like after this, like he did After Hours, which came out in 85, you know, after he was working on this, which made its money back, but left like not much of a cultural imprint. It's kind of a, it's more of a niche Scorsese. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Exactly. And then he does Last Temptation of Christ in 88, which... Huge controversy, Bit, yeah, and well Jesus. regarded now, but literally, uh, <laughs> but barely breaks even. Its budget was seven because they were like, "We're not going to give you fucking money for this." Yeah. It makes nine million dollars. Like it's just, and it's picketed by everybody from here to there. So like, it's not doing great. His hot streak, that reinvention when he started to become the quote unquote Martin Scorsese we know today, kicked off in 1990 with Goodfellas, yeah. Cape Fear in '91, Age of Innocence in '93, Casino in '95. And then he's off to the races. And that bought him enough goodwill to do Kundun in 97. And the people are like, just keep doing your thing. And then, I mean, now it's it's Scorsese. Uh, and he's he's done so much for film uh, and filmmakers uh, worldwide and, and across the country. But, you know, that kind of like, when you think Scorsese, you wouldn't, if you think of him now, you wouldn't think of where he was at this point in the 80s in his career. No, so, I didn't even know that he directed this until you yeah, told me. You're like, give him the color money. And I was like, all right, he's, whatever. He's a know. hired gun. Scorsese. And I went, what? He's a hired gun in this. And so he brings his style to it, but it's very much, you know, like he he, he crafts, I think, a, a very solid standalone story. But it, it, it again, he's, it's not a thing that, um, that uh, like feels as much a Scorsese story no, exactly to the bones. Right. 
as other stuff. So like you said, yeah, it's good, but if you were like, let's let's list the movies that define Scorsese's vibe and storytelling and who his personality is on screen, you would probably not list this. No. You know? No. Um, it's just it's just not what it not what it is. Um, so I think that's 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 worth noting. Um so yeah, it's it's definitely like he came in and was like, I'm gonna do the best I can at this time in my career and it's an interesting time because Paul Newman, like I said, was it had been 25 years since The Hustler, so he, he was able to get this back out. Tom Cruise cast off of, like, not huge hits and, like, was, like, clearly, like, an up-and-comer, but, like, not a big dude. So it's kind of a weird, interesting time yeah. for all these people. Yeah. Like, if you said to somebody, there's a Martin Scorsese movie co-starring Paul Newman and Tom Cruise, you'd be like, what? How is that? Are you serious? And you're like, yeah. Well, it's kind of like the... <laughs> the um... No, I don't think of I don't I don't think of Tom Cruise and Paul Newman in the same way. Um no, very different. No, I mean I'm just trying to think of uh who would be who considered the Paul Newman of our time. Ooh. You know what I mean? Do you mean in terms of like Liquid Cool or Well, Liquid Cool and just like the man made really good movies. He made I, great movies. I don't like when you told me that he won for this. I'm like, "Okay, that's fine. Yeah, he 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 gave an Oscar performance." But like I've seen the man give performances where where I'm like yeah. a mess. Well, yeah, I mean, like just the ones he was nominated for, again, across 5 decades of filmmaking, he was nominated for best actor um for Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Should have won. The Hustler. HUD. Cool Hand Luke. Should have won. Rachel Rachel, which I had not have not heard of. No. Absence of Malice. Mm-hmm. The Verdict. The Color of Money, which he finally won for. He was nominated again in the 90s for Nobody's Fool. And he was nominated for Supporting Actor in Road to Perdition in oh. 02. So, yeah. Um, ton, and that's just the Oscar noms. Like, that's not even, like, the other great movies he did. There's a movie that, I was th- that I've been thinking about showing you that I may, down the line, called The Young Philadelphians that he's in. And he's just really amazing. He's really, really amazing in it. And uh, it's just one of those movies where I'm like, God damn, this guy is, he's... Yeah, I mean, what what can he do wrong? Cool Hand Luke, Butch and Sundance. Yeah, like, it's, Butch and Sundance. It's just it's the Sting. The Sting. I was about to I say. I love I love the Sting. The Sting. We have a beautiful original by yes. artist Brianna Ashby, uh, Ashby hanging mm-hmm. on our wall of the Sting, which is one of Daniel's favorite favorite movies. One of my faves since childhood. Because uh, yep. my dad, when I was a kid, was like, "You gotta, you gotta watch some of these movies." Because he, of course, was a young man in his twenties in the seventies, and so that's. That was his area of expertise. So he introduced me to like Redford and Newman in a yeah. big way. And I fell in love with the sting when I was a kid and I've loved it ever since. And so yeah, Paul Newman, great performances and cool. So yeah, it's 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 very tricky because he's not just cool. Yeah. He's a genuinely good actor. I almost want to say, go with me here. You're gonna you may think I'm crazy. I've got a thought too. So if you say the same person, I'm gonna shit. Well, that'll be gross and you'll have to clean it up. It's audio, no one will care. Well, I've always thought that um oh what's what's wrong with me um my memory george clooney was a cary grant type yes but you could argue that clooney has some newman in him completely agree especially um as well as like the personal life kind of thing not 
I mean, uh, Newman was with Joanne Woodward for like 60 years or whatever, but the giving back, the activism, uh, the activism and, and, uh, you know, you buy anything from Paul Newman and all of the money goes to charity. That's amazing. Yeah. Paul Newman had the the Newman's own brand of, Mm -hmm. of foods and, you know, George Clooney will take jobs to make money. To like rent satellites to spy on dictators. Yes. Like yes. Yeah, there's so possibly Clooney, but that's I know really Clooney good point. Is, Clooney is also very Cary Grant esque. Yeah, they do look. They do have, of course, a similar vibe and cool. But I, I think. Who that's are you thinking of? Maybe John Hamm. Uh, he's kind of got a Newman thing going on, doesn't he? I feel like he's too goofy in a good way. Like he, he is yep. such a goofball. Yep, and Newman didn't. Newman didn't play goofy no. as much. He was a little more straight laced. Newman like, was much too like Newman was a. You know who you're thinking? Uh, Burt Reynolds and John Hamm. That is fucking solid. That's, That's what you're thinking of. A plus for you. You're welcome. Nicely done, you're champ. Welcome. Um, yeah. So uh, that that's a really good point. Um, totally off subject. Sorry, but no, no, there is no subject. Um, we stopped taping half an hour ago. Probably <laughs> we're just talking. Um, but it was so, something else that. Uh, uh, Good quote. Oh, yeah. Um, this is something from a critic named Jason Bailey uh, writing at Flavorwire a couple years ago. What's up, Jason? We know Jason. Um, good dude. Uh, he was writing kind of a reappraisal of this movie, and he was talking about the way Scorsese deals with Newman in this because, again, he was a hired gun coming on to make this movie mm-hmm. at Newman's request. Newman's like, come out to my beach house. And so uh, Scorsese and the writer Richard Price, mm-hmm. who was a novelist, who wrote Clockers and oh. wrote the screenplay for Clockers, also wrote on The Wire. Okay. Um, t- wrote Lush Life. Like, hey, listen, say Road of the Wire and I'm done. Very talented writer. Um, So he, they got to meet this. Anyway, Um, Jason Bailey writes, quote, also noteworthy is the manner in which Scorsese regards his leading man. This was my first time working with a movie star, he explains in the 1991 book Martin Scorsese, A Journey, before clarifying, quote, a movie star is a person I saw when I was 10 or 11 on a big screen. With De Niro and the other guys, it was a different thing. We were friends. We kind of grew together creatively. But with Paul, I would go in and I'd see a thousand different movies in his face, images I had seen on that big screen when I was 12 years old. It makes an impression. And uh, Bailey says, so Scorsese frames Newman like a movie star bigger than life, acknowledging those thousand movies, and he never misses an opportunity to look at that face in one of those big screen compositions. That is so true in this movie. Jason Bailey is a good critic and writer I encourage you all to follow him on Twitter at Jason Dash Bailey but like Dash written out like he the word the, no we talked about Jason yeah. before J- Jason D-A-S-H Bailey you'll get it anyway um, it's true because and that's it's, it's funny to think about he because, doesn't do that with Tom Cruise at all no because he does it with Paul he's the Newman kid, but yeah Paul Newman is lovingly framed in this yeah like I, like the intro the intro scene is so good because it's Paul Newman at the bar and you just get his voice first and we're like moving up the bar over like glasses of whiskey and cigarettes in, in ashtrays. And you just hear that Paul Newman smooth water over rocks voice where you're mm-hmm. like this. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do at this yeah. point. Yeah. And then the camera just moves up and you got Paul Newman just that with that sly like half sideways grin. Yeah. And you're like this guy owns the screen instantly. Mm-hmm. And he he intros him that way and you get Vince's intro um, in little snippets as almost kind of sneak in how important Vince is going to be to Paul Newman's character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, um, he's very lovingly framed. And it's interesting to think about that too. Like you don't think about, Oh yeah. De Niro and Pacino. And Scorsese. Those guys were contemporaries. Like they were contemporaries, De Niro yeah. was coming up when, when Scorsese was coming up. That's a really good point. You know, like that's a really good point. But like De Niro comes in as a hired gun and like 
the movie star from his youth calls him and says, do you want to make a movie for me? Like that is a huge, huge change in how you approach it. That also makes me wonder if Coppola felt the same. And I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not trying to make this about the Godfather. <laughs> no, I swear to God, I'm really not. But it made me think about it. It made me wonder if Coppola felt the same way about Brando. Oh, Brand- it, I, would, I would think he would have to. Because you're Coppola. You're like blowing up in the 70s. George Lucas won't stop following you around. And you've made some movies. And then... He won't stop following me around. Did you know he's in the cat room right now? That's who that is. He scared the shit out of hey me guys. when I went in. Yeah. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey. Do you know where the Ewoks come from? Yeah. I just the Wookiee planet Christ. is called Kashyyyk. Oh my God! I'm pretty sure I know what ATAT Stop hanging out. and ATST stand for. Stop hanging out with George Lucas. I'm pretty sure it's all-terrain armored transport and all-terrain scout transport. You frowned at me so hard just now and stopped moving entirely. I like to call them adats and, and baby adats. <laughs> yeah. And the first time it happened, I go, "It's an adat," and he goes, "It's an ATAT," and I go. You want to go? You want to go something? You want to do something about that? And he's like, I don't. No, no I do not. No, ma'am. Sorry. Nope. nope. And then yeah, one shows up on the Mandalorian. And you're like, it's a baby Adat. I'm like, yeah, it is. You're like, yes, honey, it's a baby Adat. Yep, that was great. Um. Anyway, no, but I just wondered if Coppola was like. I would think so because yeah, like having that having that same sort of. Um, no, that's that's a really good point because Coppola is a film brat of the '70s, and Brando was like this method. Uh, revolutionary actor yeah and so when you get him and you're like everybody else is like kind of your contemporary and you know they're talented but like Pacino's a young kid yeah in that movie and you gotta fight to get him in that movie yeah whereas Brando is fucking bananas cotton in his mouth and his lines on fucking cue cards behind bowls cause he's like this is how I work and you're like what the fuck is going on with this guy <laughs> but I would imagine Stella! yeah I would imagine it would be kind of the same thing yeah. so yeah um, so it's it's totally different like and I think that's a really I'm really glad that uh, Scorsese said that, and that and the Jason pulled that out because it's yes. a really, really good perspective to bring to it. Yes. Um, I think it's also a really good redemption story because even not having seen the previous movie, you don't have to. Like, this starts out with Paul Newman as a stake horse using Vincent as, like, a tool to, like, gamble. I'm going to teach you how to, like, flop and dump games and take guys for money and do this, that, and the other thing. And eventually, uh, Fast Eddie himself gets taken. He gets hustled. And it just, like, breaks him shatters him and he realized because he's tr- he's getting back into pool for the first time in years he's trying to build his skills up again and he gets hustled by a player named amos played by a very young forrest whitaker oh my god who was like on Baby the screen faced. for barely barely a few minutes five tops. minutes mm-hmm. and was so fucking good he's and great. i just think like anytime you get like even a blip of Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker, anytime you're going to be like, thank you. Yeah. Even if it is Rogue One and you're like, what the fuck is going on right yeah. now? Um, just a real quick sidebar. Rogue One's not a good movie. If you like it, you're wrong. <laughs> Moving on with The Color of Money. Uh, yeah, so it breaks him when he gets hustled. In fact, yeah. Eddie gets hustled. He just keeps saying, are you a hustler? And after, yeah. Uh, he's like, you hustler Amos? And Amos is like, nah, man, it was just a coincidence. He's like, you a hustler Amos? And just the look on Paul Newman's face. saying it. I just, just, oh my God. And the way he's lit and his reaction, it just breaks him. Yeah. And he loses it. And, but from then on, he plays clean. Like he plays money games because he's building his stake to get to Atlantic City and compete. And he gets his glasses. And and to compete in the nine ball. Yeah, he gets glasses because he realizes he's old and, and needs them. But he wants to compete in the nine ball championship in Atlantic City. And so he plays money games and he's not hustling on the road. He's not dumping games or scamming people. He's like, I'm playing my best every time to win. I want to win. No, he 100% scams people. You, you don't think, remember that? 
You think he they was have, dumping to them? No, 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 no. Yes, they have an entire... Are you serious? Did you watch the movie? Yeah, but I thought... They have an entire series Yeah. after he gets his glasses mm-hmm. where he, he'll he play a guy. I mean, I even and remember the guys. Yeah. He'll mm-hmm. play a guy and the guy will be like, yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for $100. And then the next time you see the guy mm-hmm. like giving him $500. Right. So yeah, no, he 100% hustles his way I to Atlantic if, City. I, I read that as him actually just getting better and getting better at pool. Oh, Interesting. bless your heart. No, oh, no. no. He 100% right. hustled his way to yeah. Atlantic City. And uh, but he does have like a, a focus on though, like just getting better and better because he's he's back. And one of the cool things is like he winds up playing Vince in the tournament uh, in Atlantic City. Yep. And in a in a more traditional movie, that would be the focal point. That would be the climax. Like who's gonna win? What's gonna happen there? <laughs> climax. Climax. Hello. Um. But this is not that. Like no. this is a story about his. He's coming to terms with like what he's done, what he's created in Vincent, and what he wants to be for himself, and and him coming come realizing I'm I'm gonna just keep going and I'm back, um so, you know obviously, spoilers because that's well that's what we do that's the podcast, uh he beats Vince in the tournament, knocks him out, and then, uh that night he's he's feeling really good because it was you know a hard set of set of matches and he Vince gets knocked out and Eddie moves to the next round. That night, Vincent comes by his room with Carmen and drops off an envelope with $8,000 in it. And such a fucking and asshole. And such a putz. Oh, my God. And Eddie's like, what's that? And he's like, it's your cut. And he's like, I don't understand. And Vince is like, I dumped. I lost to you on purpose. Because these guys told me that. Yeah, because I, could... I could make some more money if I dumped to you. Because, like, they saw me playing other games. I changed the odds based on how I performed. Mm-hmm. I lost to you, made some money, and now I've got side hustles. For the rest of the weekend in like the little special pro room where the pros hang out and just play money games all the time. Um, and but he does it in a fucking yeah. asshole way. Yeah, he's like, thanks, man. We learned it from you. And like, he's such a fucking putz. And Paul Newman, like, he's just so broken. And again, because yeah. he thought he'd actually beat Vince. He was yeah. like, I actually outplayed this kid who's really good. I, th- I got good enough on the road to beat him. And Vince is like, no, I lost you. And he's such a putz. He's like, I only had to lose like four shots. He's like, you know how hard it is to like miss by like an inch. I'm so good. And he's just, he's such a jerk. And it just like, just shreds Eddie. So the next day when Eddie's playing, he is in the middle of a match and he just forfeits. Yep. And walks out and yep. then walks over to Tom Cruise in the stands and just tosses the envelope of money back in his lap mm-hmm. and just won't have anything to do with him. Uh, Carmen tries to give it back to him a few minutes later. And Eddie's like, nah. Um, so then he meets up with uh tom cruise again they meet up in the little practice room off off the main hall there at the end and just kind of have it out he says i want your best yeah game. i want your best game and he says this great line richard price writes some great dialogue he's like it's even but it ain't settled let's settle it mm-hmm. and he's and he's like i'm gonna beat you and if i don't beat you here i'm gonna beat you the next tournament or the next tournament like and like he's like you know, I'm going to beat you now, but if, if I don't, I'm nothing's going to stop me from trying. Yeah. Like, I've found this passion again. Because he says that at one point to Vince. He's like, I lost my passion and you bled it back into me. Mm-hmm. And don't throw away your shot. And so he kind of created this monster in Vince, but realizes he's like, I'm not only good, but like, I want to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, he wants Vince's best game and he wants to play as truthfully and as honestly and as, as good as he can. And it's funny because at the beginning of the movie... Like, the first time you meet Vince, Vince has been hustling John Turturro, who Paul Newman was staking. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, just mops the floor with him until John Turturro is like, fuck this, I gotta get out of here. And then, but Vince is like, 
let's just play again. Let's just play, play. Yeah. Just play for fun. And this, and Paul, like, Paul Newman's reaction, like, he's boggled by this. He's like, yeah. he's like, this guy loves the game so much, he just wants to play. Yeah. And it's funny, like, Vince becomes this, like, very craven, money-driven hustler, and he and Carmen, have, their relationship kind of becomes sour because of it. Yeah. But by the end, Paul Newman has rediscovered that that drive and passion. Like, he's like, I just want your best game. I just want to play. There's no one around. There, there's just like, let's settle this. Let's, let, let's, let's compete. Yeah. Um, I get it. And then he just like breaks. And then we go back to those slow slam, slam credits and slam music from Robbie Robertson. And he goes, I'm back. I'm back. And just, and bam. freeze. Freeze on his face. And like the Robbie Robertson music like, comes. This is so 80s. Comes slam back in. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, Paul Newman's arc in it is really great, and he does such a great job acting. Like it is no surprise no, that he, he won that. He totally deserved that it. Oscar. Like he's he's so good. He totally deserved it. Yeah. No, like I said, this this was absolutely I, I absolutely get the I get it I get the um, I get everything about it I get it and I, and I also there are things that I appreciated about it. It sure. just is not it's just not one of those mm-hmm. movies that I'm going to be like, hey babe, like okay um. I think y'all know this. I think we've told you this before, but like if there is ever an opportunity for me to watch Casino, oh like be- before when we had cable, we cut the cord years ago, but oh, yeah. when we had cable, if Casino was on, I stopped everything I was doing. It's Casino, so hard. I am eerily obsessed with Casino. I will watch it anytime. I'll watch Goodfellas anytime too, but Casino for some reason has this thing, has this hold over me. I don't know what it is. It's so um it's just it's so masterful because this is not a movie that i'd be like no. wait what color money's on stop everything sure, sure right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i hear you and everybody's got those too like i'm that way with casino and goodfellas too like i was in a hotel for when i was traveling for work a few months ago and i was just flipping channels and i came across goodfellas on a movie channel you will watch goodfellas and like it was like right before it was like a little bit before like Leota's last day running yeah. around with a cop chasing him. And I was like, I'm stuck for the next 45 minutes. Yep. I can't not watch the end of Goodfellas. Nope. It's just fucking phenomenal. And Casino's the same way. Casino, how is Casino three hours long and it moves like a fucking freight train and it just goes? You're like, you're never bored. I'm never bored. It's the music. It's the it's the editing. And oh, the, the music. Let's the talk about music. the music too. Like the music in... in uh, in Color of Money, like Scorsese is the god of needle drops and music cues. He uses music in his movies, I think, better than almost any other filmmaker today. Oh, interesting. He's so good. It's not. Really, no, he really I mean, he does. Yeah. It's yeah. not just decorative. It's not just character ac- accents. It's never cliched or cornball. Like it's just so well used. Just even if it's little snippets of songs. Yeah. Yeah. And and throughout his movies, like each one, and he kind of brings that vibe here, like. Werewolves of London, of course, was a, a timely song, but it makes sense. That's playing in the bar raucously as Vince is showing off. Like the vibe, 100%. The vibe is perfect for showboating. Um, Robbie Robertson, of course, who did the music, co-wrote the single, It's in the Way That You Use It, which was written for the movie. It was... Yep, Sorry. Yep. It's funny because it's about sticks, too. Gentlemen, that um, is also true yeah. of other things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, your brains. Your brains and your intellect. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, which was it's in the way that you use it was uh, recorded and performed by Eric Clapton. Uh, Robbie Robertson actually could not sing on the soundtrack because Another of Carlson contractual favorite. obligations. But yeah, like it, the music is is awesome. Like mm-hmm. the way it just like blasts in and the way the songs are deployed. Um, it's really really well done. I agree. Um, and I I think it's just again a textbook example. Like even on a work for hire that would wind up one of his 
you know some say lesser movies it's he's 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 a hired gun but he's not phoning it in i guess is what i'm trying to say i hear you i hear you it's not like you watch this and you're like god what was he doing you know it's he clearly wasn't like drunk or disheveled or like just barely (laughs) barely trying like and then they hit the balls i don't even care like he's he's doing what he can um and, and bringing some some vibe to it um but no, I I think uh, I think I totally get what you're saying in terms of respecting it, totally appreciating the quality that goes into it. But it's just not a thing that you really. It's no. not for you. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Which is totally fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I am very excited to see The Irishman. Me too. We have not had a chance to see it yet. It dropped Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. No spoilers. Yeah, and we've just been super busy ever since. Um, but I really want to watch it. Excited. I would love to watch it soon. We will watch it soon. You're not allowed to watch it without me. I'll tell you that much. I'm not Mr. That... Pants. No, I know. I I respect you enough to not watch The Irishman without you. Okay. I'm not gonna do that. Okay. Why would I do that? No. <sighs> so, um. Yeah, I I'm, I'm glad you watched it. I really appreciate your take. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm you glad. didn't. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it more. Uh, you know, it's a bummer. It's, it is what it is. Um, I do have to tell you this this um, not funny, funny thing that I saw today on Instagram. I follow a certain vintage shop in Austin that uh, normally I'm like, yeah, you know, they have cool stuff and I like their clothes and I like the jewelry. Um, but they had a, that kind of iconic picture of gorgeous Jodie Foster with the curls and the hat and the the shirt tied at her midriff. And they were like, Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver is totally giving us summer vibes. And we're totally just, we're totally missing summer thanks to Jodie Foster. And I was like, do you have a fucking clue what this is? I can't, let me, Are like, you shitting me right totally, now? totally digging on the summer vibes she's that she's prostitute. throwing at us. And I was like, yikes, you guys, that's a really shitty thing to put oh up. Oh my God. This is what happens when you just Google something and haven't seen the thing because you're 24 and running somebody's Instagram account. Jodie Foster making us crave the sunshine and crop tops. What? I'm like, you let mean because me she's a fucking child prostitute? Oh God. You should comment on it. I'm gonna. Not with my account. I'm not. Did no one comment on this? No, because it's probably just a bunch of vacuous <sighs> ding-dongs. Oh my God. Love that's you guys. fucking awful. I really love you because I really... Honestly, I saw that and I was like, I feel like I've lost all respect for you guys. She's a prostitute in the movie. It's yeah. not... First of all, it's Taxi Driver. It's not a fun movie. No. She gets raped. It's not super... Yeah. Anyway, I saw that and I was like, interesting that we're talking about Scorsese tonight because, holy shit, I can't believe you guys posted this. Read the room. Read the room. Or just Google something for the love. This is what I'm saying. It'd be like It'd be like posting, uh, I can't remember the beautiful girl who's in uh, Schindler's List or whatever, being like, totally digging the retro curls on this fabulous girl. And you're like, wait, what? No. Oh my God. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Fiennes is bringing it in this coat. No, yeah. he's not. No, he's not. No, no, he's not. Delete, Nazi. Delete everything about your account. Nazi. And seek counseling. Uh, pray for forgiveness. What did you just do? Yeah. You put this on the internet, it you psycho. Good. It was not good. Oh, Megan, no. Yeah. Ugh. That was bad. 
So bad. anyway, I thought you'd appreciate that's that. Hilarious. I mean, appreciate and the hideousness. Appropriate, of it. probably tie in. So yeah, yeah um, I'm, I appreciate you watching this with an open mind. I was hoping. I obviously, like I said, I'm sorry you didn't like it more. I'd hoped um, that you would because it's a. I know it's like it's an offbeat Scorsese, so I'm I'm sorry you didn't like it more. No, but I, mean, I appreciate you still giving it a giving it a try. Yeah, you're not gonna like everything. I mean, that's just the way. Of, that's the sure. the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it didn't mean I didn't like I said it didn't mean I didn't appreciate it. It's kind of like sure. it's kind of like the art that we saw at um, at uh, the, the Pompidou. The yeah, the Saint yeah. de Pompidou. There were certain mm-hmm. pieces that I was like, "What is happening?" Yeah. There were certain pieces that I was like, "This is not fucking art. I'm sorry. Bullshit. You yeah. can all go suck it because it's not." But then there were pieces that I was like, "No, no, no. I I understand why this is here." Yeah. Um, I don't want to see it again, but I get it. Yeah, like I respect the aesthetics. I get what you're saying. I get the message too. Yeah. But like not for me. Not for me. Not my thing. Never again. Yeah, I hear you. So so yeah, that was that's the color of money. All right. Uh, if nothing else, it got Paul Newman his best actor award. And Hell yeah. It's also like I said, I'm I'm glad we got to see it just because it's such a it's such a weird time in these people's career. Like yeah. it it was only possible because Tom Cruise hadn't broken yet. Martin Scorsese had had like flops and he did the work. And Paul Newman was like, hey, they just made a sequel to this book. And I was in the movie 25 years ago. And this seems like a good So basically idea. Paul Newman is the reason this happened. Paul Newman made this happen. Paul Newman called Scorsese. Like I said, the novelist had Paul written his own draft of the screenplay. They didn't like it. And so Scorsese, Richard Price, and Paul Newman together created the screenplay. Yeah, did uh, it well. Th- there's, a, there's a quote in that uh, New York Times piece um, where Scorsese was saying he thinks he was talking to Richard Price. He's like, uh, quote, my feeling was we weren't in a situation where we had to go find an actor. We had the actor. So I told Richard, we're making a suit for the man in a way. The words you're writing have to come through Paul Newman's lips. So if at time you write stuff and we hear him say it and it doesn't sound right, we have to change your stuff. There you go. So like he and uh, Scorsese and Price and, and how Newman. how often does that happen? Yeah. They worked very collaboratively on the screenplay, both the story, the dialogue, everything. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like a really interesting project. Like basically Paul Newman made this happen um, because he called up Scorsese and, and got the ball rolling. Well, if it had been anyone other than Paul Newman, I guarantee I would have hated this movie. So I... Yeah. He's... That's the thing. Like, they talked about that too in that, that piece. Like, the original draft of the screenplay, the character Fast Eddie was a little too tough. Yeah. And Paul Newman's like, obviously he's got to be like tough and bad or like the years have done some stuff to him, but like he's got to be a little easier to like, mm. you know? And that's the thing. Like, Paul Newman, because he's just lethally charming... Is very easy to like, and yeah. he's just he just brings it in this. Smartest and, yeah. thing Joanne Woodward ever did was say, "I'm going to quit acting mm-hmm. and just yeah. stay married to this man yeah. forever." Yep. I'm married to Paul Newman. I'm married to Paul Newman. So suck it, ladies. Living on that living on that salad dressing money. What's Peace up? Out. No, she wasn't. I they know. donated it. I know. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. So so yeah. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you. At least yeah. have you seen it now and now yeah. with this random and we'll, the 80s. we'll update we'll we will um we'll give you guys our our thoughts on the irishman once we've seen it oh my god yeah because you know part don't, of me is, don't you want to know what we think part of me is like let's watch it tonight uh, oh the other part of me is like what i live with you and i know what you're like if you don't get enough sleep right grumpy uh, grumpus grumposaurus is the word yes yeah 
Yep, stupid obligations and work keep me from watching The Irishman. It's not okay. We've got a busy three days ahead of us. We do. That'll be my reward. I'm going to get through the next few days of busy stuff we have going on, and then The Irishman. Yes. I'll be like, good job, buddy. Yeah. Here's The Irishman for you. So what's your hell yeah this week? Oh, yeah. My hell yeah is uh, I finally caught up with El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Oh, did you? That came out a few months ago. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm glad. Because I know how much you love that show. Yeah, and it's it's great. Obviously, like uh, I I remember seeing some of the reviews when it came out. I didn't read any of them because no one wanted to check the movie out. Some of the critics were like, "Nah." Um, I think it's really solid. Like it's this great little. It's basically a little short story. Mm-hmm. It's this great little send off because when the series ended, Jesse Pinkman had had been set free from the people who were holding captive the bad guys, the bad meth guys, and he was just driving away like off into the sunset basically Mm -hmm. and so this is like what happens right to him right after that how does he actually get out of town and it's it's just enough plot and suspense to fit really well into this two-hour package it's Mm -hmm. they don't try and go into like a big crazy thing there's some flashbacks to when he was um in captivity so there's some stuff set in the past which lets some other actors from the show show up like like Brian Cranston comes in for a scene. Mm. Kristen Ritter, who played his girlfriend in one of the seasons, comes in for a scene. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so they just they Love let her. they let some of that stuff feed in, and it's just the short story of him getting to 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 kind of get this nice send off, and it's it's really great little uh, suspense thriller. Like you don't need to see it; you still get the full story in the series. Mm-hmm. But it's great because when the series ends, he's like escaping. You're like, okay, he's free. Godspeed. I hope he's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. But this, like, he manages to like survive and, and escape and uh, get some money together and get a fresh start and mm-hmm. he moves away and you know he's going to be like okay okay mm-hmm. and it's just like a really nice send off for this character um, it wasn't like I thought some I think I saw some people saying like it's fan service I'm like it's it's the continuation to like hundreds of hours of content like it's going to heavily rely on like the TV show man yeah it's not a standalone you can't just like check this out and see what happens like what did I see recently that was talking about how it was fan service? Uh, oh, yeah, no, it was, it was when we were talking about John Wick and, and yeah. Price was like, they had to do the, they had to have the guy that makes the coins because everybody was like, what the what, fuck what's, up, the yeah, what's up with that guy? Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, I thought it was really good. Aaron Paul's great. The only hilarious thing is um, Aaron Paul's obviously, you know, always looked younger. That's why the cast was Jesse Pinkman. But he's got that voice. He's got that voice. Also, like, they're just, they're growing. And so, like, he's beefed out as an adult man. And so is Cranston. Cranston's, you know, beefed out more because he's gained more weight since he had to play this cancer patient. So, like, there's, like, flashbacks of Jesse Pinkman with, like, his, like, little spiky hair. And you're like, like, what are you going to do? Like, teenage, whatever. And you're like, he is so, so far beyond. Yeah. The years you're well, signing. Well, they can him. only do so much. Exactly, and that's just one of those things where you just go with it because you're a fan of the storytelling and suspend the disbelief. But yeah. it's on Netflix. I really enjoyed it. It's totally Good. worth watching. That's Good. my hell yeah. All right, my hell yeah. Uh, my hell yeah is the <laughs> is a really small and stupid one that just has made me really happy today. Just today, just because it happened or yesterday came out. Um, somebody took uh the took Lizzo's good as hell song and mixed it in with the little, with a little Mandalorian scene where uh, baby Yoda is um, just like pressing buttons. And it's so fucking cute that I literally can't stand it. It's great. Um, I also bought pre-ordered the Yoda doll that doesn't even come out until April. 
And I was like, nah, this is mine, man. I don't even care. You're going to give me my fucking Yoda, my baby Yoda doll. I'm obsessed with him and I, and I don't. Werner Herzog cries around him. So as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you're fine. Everyone, like, I think that he is the great equalizer. Baby Yoda. This is baby Yoda. We will all respect him. Baby Yoda is the great equalizer. Yeah. And also, okay, so I have another hell yeah. <gasps> the um, politicians at NATO making fun of Trump. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm sorry. I thought that was really funny. No, that's a good it's, one. I mean, it's political and I probably shouldn't do that, but whatever. Fuck it. Um, so yeah, tiny hell yeahs for me. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I like baby Yoda. Baby Yoda sized hell yeahs. I, oh my God. I can't stress Got this enough. My hand up. What? I was going to say to the audience out there, when Baby Yoda comes on screen, she loses her shit so completely. It's yes. like, it's it's yes. amazing. Like, noises are made. Things are thrown. Yes. Uh, can you stand it? Is yelled quite a few times. Yes. Uh, yeah, the first time Baby Yoda showed up in The Mandalorian, I was like, what's happening here? But he keeps showing up and doing, like, adorable baby things. And it's just... It's like nuclear levels of cuteness, which you, you, they're weaponizing it, and I'm impervious. I'm impervious. I'm a grumpy 37-year-old man. I'm like, that baby Yoda's pretty fucking adorable. Yeah. I can't stop it. <sighs> He'll save us all. He will save us all with his little tiny hands. His little tiny three little hands. And he just follows him. He follows Mando everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just love him. I said earlier today that Mandalorian should get some more Beskar steel and make a baby Bjorn for the front of his armor <laughs> to put Yoda in. <laughs> Or get him, yeah, that'd be yeah, amazing. That'd just, be amazing. Just walking around with mm-hmm. baby Yoda strapped to his strapped to his chest. Well, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna take care of the kid, but like he's just walking around with him. I'm like, I like that you're gonna take care of him, but like, let's be conscious of his size and weakness and the lasers they're shooting at you. Be careful, Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I like get him he's the like, helmet. Stay here, and then he goes to the front and the front of the ship yeah. and looks down, and there's the baby, and he's like, Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, those robes are not gonna stop anything. <gasps> Protect him. From the baby at at. Do you think we're going to see the Mandalorian take his helmet off mm. in the season? Okay. Put aside for a moment your feelings about Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Do you think narratively <laughs> we're going to see him take his helmet off? Um, I think if this is going to be a multi-season show, at some point we will see him take it off. Right. Do you think in the first season we will? No. Interesting. Because it's so important. He says, if I take it off and somebody sees me, then I can never put it back on. And it literally is who they are. Right. Do you You think we'll see him take it off, but like when the character's in private? Oh, you mean like, will we see him? Will we, the viewers in any situation, see him take it off? I mean, I feel like the, uh, I feel like it's part of the the lore. Like, I I think that we, we as the audience are included in the world with them yeah and so we're not supposed to see him we're just supposed to hear his incredibly sexy voice yeah and see him when he's all like "Ooh, i'm gonna bust up some people yeah it does Um, provide an interesting bit of distance between us and the character like which is the idea yeah and that's they're doing it really well it's really interesting like because it's one thing for him to say like i can't let anybody else see me without the mask on Mm -hmm. and we just watched chapter four so it's the only time this first time we've even seen him take it off on screen even though he's his head is out of frame when yep. it happens and he puts the helmet down yep that had never even happened before now was baby yoda in the room with him or had she baby yoda was him? outside playing with the villagers okay so see yeah he so, hasn't yeah. even let baby yoda see no nope, not baby yoda mm-hmm. 
<sighs> Do you think he's like scarred under there? No, I think he's not allowed to take it off. He says that. I know. I'm just curious. What is it they say? Uh, you can't so, go back. So shall it be, or so this is the way. This is the way. That's it. yeah. This is the way. Yep. Um, so I think that's just the way it is. This is the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how they say that to each other. Totally. He's like, you're gonna have to relocate the culvert, and he's like, this mm-hmm. is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Yep. <laughs> Shit's gotta be that way sometimes. If you guys, in the yeah, Star Wars I think universe. that my hell yeah every week is just gonna be the Mandalorian. Something Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, yeah. anyway, the Mandalorian. Have you yeah. guys heard of it? And y'all are like, I'm stopping listening to this podcast right Welcome now. Welcome back to week 57 of Baby Yoda Watch. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the God, add it to your bingo card, guys. The Baby Godfather Yoda. and Godfather. Baby Yoda. Those are definitely gonna get mentioned <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a really good episode. Yeah. I think that we we had like a really good mm-hmm. in depth discussion. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, the cats have now started a fight, which I, I think even, is I a good ending point for us. They control that half of the house. We stay in our area, yep. and they stay in their area, and that's how the peace is maintained. Indeed. I haven't seen those bedrooms in years. Our producer slept through the whole thing, so thank you for not causing trouble. Good job, Sade. All right. Until next week. Bye, everybody.
I saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen Doing the werewolves of London I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's His hair 